welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ. I am, I am your host for this last session for the 2021 year. And not even academic year, it's just a normal year. And it seems like it's been such a long year as well. Now, as you know, we're still recording, which is fantastic. We're still doing it online because of all the new restrictions that have come in recently. But that hasn't deterred us at all. So what we're going to do today, as we usually do for the wrap-up session for each year, I am asking my fellow DJ, which is the DJ Bear, otherwise known also as Suyin Olgin from our English Language and Literature program, to join me today and who is going to take on the hosting duties for this particular session. And we've got lots to talk about today, as we usually do in wrap-up sessions. So welcome, welcome Suyin, the DJ Bear. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me again. This is one of my favorite parts. I get to quiz CJ the DJ. So I'm absolutely thrilled. I can't believe it's already the end of term. I feel like we're just recording the welcome episode from back in I September. You're actually right, because it has gone quickly. And through all of this year, it's been fascinating. And as usual, I'm loving it. And I love the fact that you get to quiz me a little bit, even though it's a little bit daunting. Well, I think that it's only fair since you put our students on the spot all year round. <laughs> and I love doing that. You know, this is what they call experiential learning, right? <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. And we, yeah, we do say, you know, the, the, the point of grad chat is first, firstly, of course, to showcase what goes on in graduate studies here at Queen's to both the, the whole of the Queen's community, as well as the King, Kingston Frontenac community, because you know, we've got some wonderful students here who are doing some amazing things, whether they're doing research or they're doing their course-based learning for as professional development and what have you. So it's, it's, it's lovely to do this. But that's just one side of having grad chat. Of course, the other side of it is the learning opportunity for our graduate students to figure out how to talk to the general public because it's very easy to get caught up with the terminology for a specific field which if you're in the field that's not an issue but if you're outside the field it can be a little bit scary because you're hearing all these big words or formulas and you go what the heck are they talking about yes. so we need to learn it is a good learning skill to communication skill to figure out how to talk to different audiences which grad chat certainly gives us an opportunity to do just that and and hopefully that's what the students are learning along the way you're absolutely right it is a very difficult skill to learn and i find that even when our students are nervous they actually sound fantastic Sometimes it takes a little bit of warm up, but yes. I think that the format of the show and the way that you introduce the questions and all of that helps them relax and helps them to just feel like you were having a conversation. And I find it fascinating how sometimes it feels like they're just meant to be talking about this yes. on the radio. And, and now with all those opportunities to have, we always have access to all of the shows in our archives, but it's aired as a podcast now. 
And yes, yeah. Can... So actually, we're very lucky because even in the beginning, we used to do a podcast, but we were very limited to where that went. But of course, CFRC, thanks very much to CFRC, of course, have gone into podcasting even more now. So we're actually using CFRC's platform for podcasting to get mm-hmm. these these sessions and these interviews out to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, which right. which again broadens the the reach of our students being able to get their message out. And so we can't thank CFRC enough to of putting that together to allow us to to reach a, b- a bigger audience. Yes, and on that note, with these opportunities broadening up, this what we call knowledge mobilization. Do you find that made students more interested in doing the show or does it make them more nervous? That idea that their their episode, it's out there on Mm -hmm. these platforms. It's a a good question because there's always that bit of anxiousness of, well, what happens if things change? Or for some reason, it hasn't necessarily worked and so they've had to try a different angle. So, or even if, what happens if I change my research altogether? Mm-hmm. I've got something about this that's no longer what I'm doing. So there is that point to it. But I think most people realize that with podcasts, it is date stamped. So yes. if people are, are know enough that say, well, this is what it was like then, then it mm-hmm. shouldn't be an issue. We have had some students have said, you know, can you please take the podcast down because I'm no longer doing that. And the good thing is you can, you can take it down. So it's all right. So people shouldn't get caught up on that. What is important is that this is what I'm doing today. So let's let me talk about what I am doing today. We all know news gets old yes. and things change. So we just got to keep that in mind. But having a podcast, I'm going to go a little bit further if you don't mind on that. Having a podcast is really quite important, not just for the reach, but it's also, again, like going on the radio. It's it's another skill that people can learn because more and more people are listening to podcasts these days. Yes. When you're walking, going for a walk down the road just to relax, a lot of people have got earbuds in and listening either to the radio or a podcast. So mm-hmm. we've managed in, in one simple session to be able to cover both areas. It's also a good opportunity because CFRC are always looking for programming, you know, Mm -hmm. new programming, not just syndicated programming. And so if you you and your colleagues or your mates in your department or whether want to put a, a podcast together, like a series of interviews together, make it a podcast, I'm sure CFRC would love to say, well, you know, can we put this on in this term? We've got four sessions or eight sessions. Can we can we air this as well? So, like I said, and then they can put the syndicated on either side if it doesn't go for a full term or whatever. So there's lots of ways that you could be using podcasts. There's lots of ways you can help CFRC with their programming or adding yes. to their programming because it's great programming already. And, you know, learning some new skills. That's true. Very true. I think of it a lot as also a record of your trajectory, not just in your research, but also in in so many areas where you get to grow. And 
having that, even if it's something that you're no longer doing later on. I mean, in your exactly. CV, you're writing down every every conference you go to, if you're presenting, you're writing down your papers that have been published and, and things like that. It's all part of your CV. And yeah. But you should always have a master list of all the things that you've done. And these are this is all part of that. You're right. It's, it's showing this is my development as I've gone through as an early educator and all the way through to, to whenever you, you finish your, your education as such. Although yes. I don't think we ever finish our education. No, we're not supposed <laughs> to. There's always no, exactly. <laughs> this is what I love doing the edits for the show because it's always something new to learn. And this year we had a lot of learning. We a did. A lot. And for that... I think that, and so this is a great way to start giving an overview of all the things we learned from our graduate students this year in Grad Chat. Are you ready, CJ the DJ? I am so ready, <laughs> she says, with a little bit of trepidation. <laughs> well, let's start with a let's start with a warm up question. Okay. So you know, so we talked about uh, sorry. <clears throat> so this year. As we know, we were working up until now in a hybrid mode. Yes. So we were doing, some of us were still working remotely and some of us still doing some in-person activities. And as you know, some of our graduate students have adapted their research topic to include that hybrid mode. And also, more specifically, working from home. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us about Megan McAllister, who is both a PhD student in kinesiology and health studies and a manager of the Queen's Ergonomics Consulting Program. So could yeah. you tell us about her research? Yeah, it's, it's well, first of all, yes, but Megan has, has been doing some amazing work looking at um, leveraging robotic exoskeletons. So it's combining a few things there to help help in walking. So that alone is amazing work that she's been involved in uh, using robotics, uh, which when you think of kinesiology and health studies and, and, and biomechanics, you think of just just the body how the body mm -hmm. moves and levers and things like and you know weight distribution and things but this is actually using other robotics and things to help as well so there's all that part of it and also and and then robotics and then looking at the neuromechanics of that you know what is our brain telling what part of our body to do mm -hmm. so it's it was quite convoluted but it's fascinating to think you know can you link into the brain somewhere and tell my little finger to move okay. so that's one side of it but the other side of and which is also fantastic of what the school of kinesiology and health studies do they do a lot of outreach programs to help within the community they were they also have an arm of the you know called the queen's ergonomics consulting program which students and faculty and staff can use and i know i've used them where they will come and assess my workplace station to make mm -hmm. sure I'm set up correctly. Am I sitting at the right height? Are my arms at the right levels to be able to type and use my mouse all day so that I'm not going to get RSI? You know, is my computer and now with the, the screen, is that at the right level so I'm not sort of having my head too high up or too down low, which again can sort of 
give you back aches and shoulder aches and all those sorts of things. That's been going on for a long time. What's different, of course, during the pandemic, more of us have had to work some days at home and some days in the office. How can we do that and make sure that our faculty and staff and students remain healthy? So this is what it's all about. And so, you know, they're continuing doing this work, even though we haven't been necessarily been on campus so um, it's an excellent opportunity for students to also get to interact with correct people and to learn about that not one fits all that yeah, there's different yeah. needs and i think that that can really expand your understanding of the subject that you're studying yes. this year we, we had a lot of students coming from combined programs in the school of graduate studies and that really opened up our idea of who gets to study what. So I was very, very surprised that there was a lot of research being conducted in improving training in professional or health programs, or even just studying mental health and viruses, for example. Maybe you can give us an overview of some of the programs that students got to introduce in the show this year that combine that clinical component. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and you're, you're very right there. First of all, there's, we've got some, some students don't know how they, they wrap themselves around it, but they, they want to be medical doctors. So clinicians, but they still love research. So they want to become what we call clinical researchers. So they, get, they want to get an MD and they want to get a PhD. And they're actually, that's a, a, a great combination because, you know, in the, as we know, in the clinical setting, we've got some great, great clinicians out there. You know, surgeons, general practitioners, you name it. They're all they're all out there and they're all serving a purpose. But we do need some people who understand the clinical side of it to work on some of the research to, to make improvements. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it without being an MD, but like anything, if you've had that experience, you've got a better understanding of what's potentially needed. Or, you yeah. know, you've been working working in an area for so long, you're going, you know, if only we could do da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a, just a process change. Sometimes it's a completely new avenue of particular practice. And so those clinical researchers, extremely important. Not, not an easy thing to do because they start off in research and then they go and do some of their MD and then they come back and finish their PhD and then they go back and finish their MD. So it's a lot of work on their behalf. But then we have some other programs where we've got students in particular in, in the health sciences where they're already professionals in certain areas in the business world. So we have occupational therapists, we have physiotherapists, we have people who are public health administrators already, and we have educators. And what they want to do, and sometimes MDs or, or you know, anesthesiologists or whatever, and they want to come back and learn some new skills again to bring it in. So they don't actually call it, it's not necessarily an doing an MD PhD they're doing a PhD but they're bringing their skill set in to learn new things so a really interesting conversation we had this year was with Zongwei Benesque who is doing who's a PhD candidate in nursing so she's already an RN she's been on the front lines throughout this pandemic helping make sure people are okay up in the north and things you know she's working with indigenous communities 
she's indigenous herself and so she's giving back that but of course as an indigenous as person who working in the indigenous communities there's different practices that we need to understand there and so she's come back to find out you know how can she change some of the healthcare practices that are based on a western platform how can we change some of that to bring some of the indigenous knowledge in particularly when you're working with indigenous communities they may not want all the western ways i mean western ways have their purpose but we you know, as we say, traditional medicines and traditional ways of knowing, they have their place too. And so what we should be doing is trying to, how can we combine both of those? And when do we need to just work on the traditional ways and which ways should we be using some of the Western? So it's looking at that, that collaboration, but that's a person who is already an RN out there in the field and had something to say and wanted to come back and do it. So like I said, totally found that fascinating looking at traditional ways and, and self-reflection as an indigenous nurse working in indigenous self-reflection how can i do this differently in keeping with my ways so that yeah. was awesome and then you have people like dennis kamir who is in healthcare quality, Master of Science in Healthcare Quality. Again, another nursing background. And there seems to be a lot of that. Um, and as an MD, he's doing his residency in anesthesiology. So he's going that route. And, you know, when you're going into MD, as I've mentioned before, there's a lot of work there. But wanted to come back because you wanted to help improve healthcare quality. I mean, so the, the title of the program's very apt and you know, looking at risk and safety in Canada and the world so again someone who already has a profession is taking the next steps in the profession but also wanting to come back and work on some areas that you know health quality and healthcare super super important we've seen that throughout the pandemic now, there's there's good ways and there's bad ways. And it's not always the healthcare providers that are the issue. Sometimes it's policy. But we need to be aware of these things. You're absolutely right. I think that the recurring topic here, it's really in improving healthcare, not just the way that we think of it or understand it, but also in the way that we practice it. Yep. And having someone like Madison Robertson, who is also in health quality, and she's working on the effects of having adults being separated at long-term facilities or long-term yeah. care facilities and especially so even more so now with the restrictions of COVID or, or not being able to have family members in with you or for safety reasons but how that affects the recovery of a patient and what we can do about it how can we improve that aspect of it and I yeah. know for some way it was I remember she was talking about that importance of caring for yourself because you for you to be able to provide that care to others who are in pain you need to be able to be okay with yourself and heal as well correct so that, right yeah yeah and i think that the most recent one stephanie woolridge and she's a phd candidate in clinical psychology and again improving the outcome of diagnosing early episode psychosis yes so having all of this it all comes back to how important it is to continue supporting graduate research because the goal here in general is really is helping improve aspects in our community yep. that can make things easier for us. Well, when it comes to the health side of things, 
I think some of the interviews we've had this this year have really highlighted the fact that you know prevention is better than cure. Yes. Okay. Now there's still the areas of research that are on the cure side. Yes. Cancer research, those sorts of things, because unfortunately they're there, so they're already here. So how do we how do we cure? Well, do two things. For instance, with cancer, how do we find solutions to cure those who have cancer? Yes. But then the other one is the prevention side. Mm-hmm. What can we do to inhibit it in the first place? Just to yes. make it happen in the first place. And some yes. of these sort of some of these areas we've talked about have really sort of highlighted both sides of that prevention is better than cure, but the prevention yes. and the cure side. And I don't know if you notice that this is, this is exactly the type of approach that we're trying to do, not in just issues with health and prevention in, in the health sciences or in the health department, let's say, but also when it comes to institutional policies, right, like prevention, how do we prevent, what can we do? And yes, there is a question coming up, you know, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> you know can you tell us about graduate students? whose research is focusing on improving governing policies in institutions or in areas like curriculum or education mm-hmm. that could improve the experience of our students, that could improve the mental health of our students. Students working on conducting the research to make recommendations on what we can improve on our end so we can prevent and provide a better experience to all our students. There's a classic example there of how can we use our students to help us make things better for either other students, so in the education system and, and, and things like that, or learning in general. And mm-hmm. so Rubiat Jabin, who is a PhD candidate in education, um, as we all know, we have a lot of international students here. And yeah. for a lot of them, English is not their first language. Mm-hmm. So doing research in another language is never an easy feat. I wouldn't want to try it, and yet they do. So what can we do to sort of help them uh, make it easier for them to do their research, knowing it needs to be in English? And so, of, of course, Rubiat was looking at, you know, the influence of first language and individual culture of multilingual. I'm going to repeat what was in the little overview there, if you don't mind investigate the influence of first language and individual culture of multilingual international undergraduate students on their academic English language writing and how best to support them to become successful students whose English is not their first language and successful writers in the Canadian academic context. Because we all know, depending on where you do your studies, there's differences in how we want things written and, and done. So how do we help those international students write the way we want them to write in a Canadian context? And how do we help them write it in a language that's not their language? <laughs> so, you yeah. know, so there was, there's areas like that. And then also, um, you know, how can we help people understand equity, diversity and inclusion? How can we help our faculty and staff put that into their curriculum or their, their workings? How do we make students put that into their research? There's a lot of things that are going along on, in that area as well. Yes, I think we have Deborah Francis mm-hmm. on rehabilitation and health leadership. And her research is emphasizing or prioritizing racialized student experiences. Right. And this is, this is part of informing 
because we have we have so many initiatives going on and at the same time we also need to incorporate all of this knowledge all of this experiences as well because all of it can inform how we practice how we do things I, I, I think and I don't know if you agree but having something like that even just Rubiet's research for example it's so great that this could start early on so it is not at a point where someone is about to submit their dissertation and then suddenly realize that, they have to, that it is not written in the Canadian right. context or that they need to completely reformat a document yeah. they've been working for years. So I, I really admire the work that is being conducted every year. I'm surprised mm-hmm. every year. I learn every year, but I, I find that this is, it, it is incredible that we get to learn about it and that we get to share this with the audience. Well, it, it's, all, it's all about, I mean, the purpose of the show is about awareness Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know some of the topics that our students are doing we may not have even thought about but yeah. when someone brings it up and you go you know what you're right that is missing or you know I hadn't considered that as an option or I haven't considered that as being an issue but yes. the way you've presented it, it clearly is so it's great that you're working on you know finding a solution yes or at least making people know about it for the next person then to find a solution because mm-hmm. if we don't know there's an issue somewhere we're not going to look for a solution to fix it so yes. it, it's really really important and even though some of these sort of areas like even with ruby i mean she was basically looking at undergrad but it can be transferred into the grad setting absolutely so. yes absolutely and you know i love it because you um, are fantastic at setting up the next question <laughs> segue into the next question segue. there we go <laughs> yes. can you think of a student whose research made a connection that we wouldn't necessarily think of that mm. really surprised you this year it's uh, you're right it's interesting that you know isabel sharp who was one of our participants in the three-minute thesis uh, she's only doing a Master of, of Science in Epidemiology, but she's come up with a great concept of, you know, we shouldn't look at necessary things individually. And, you know, are there connections, as you said? And so she looked at the relationship between climate change, food insecurity, and mental health. So they all have a connection. We could easily, she could have easily just studied climate change or food mm-hmm. insecurity or mental health, but she wanted to see how it worked together. And they all have a connection. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if climate change goes the way it is, that can have an effect on food availability as well as someone's mental health. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we thinking it in that way? So there's lots of things that we can find those connections. The other one that I think that surprised me, and you, you talk about connections, was... Quentin Zhang, another another student who is in the three-minute thesis. In fact, he was the People's Choice in three-minute thesis this year, and, and he's from translational medicine. And he was looking at cannabinoids can help reduce the need to use opioid prescriptions to treat abdominal pain in inflammatory bowel disease. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, it seems to be calmer or better for the body than using something as strong as an opioid. Should it be used by itself or should we be using a combination of opioids and cannabinoids? 
So that was a connection that I hadn't thought about at the time. Thank you very much for giving us such a great overview. Of course, there's so much more. So I'm going to put a plug here. Listen to the podcast because they are fantastic. There's so much going on. I must say, we didn't intentionally just pick on the health sciences <laughs> for this no, episode. Not at all. But uh, there was a lot of connections here between health and, like you said, a little bit of policy and things too for us all to consider. It doesn't mean to say the researchers outside of the health industry are not as important because they certainly are. So We encourage students from every discipline to sign up for the show. The details are on the website. Yes. Well, I, I want to thank you very much for hosting today. I know I know we always enjoy these chats and I know we're going to have another one in the new year. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And from the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, I just want to thank all our listeners for continuing to support GradChat throughout this year and we hope that you'll all tune in into in the new year to start 2022 for the to the start of our seventh year of grad chat so um yes i know it's very very exciting so but once again thank you very much for hosting no problem thank you for having me (laughs) so as we say each year each each episode i should say So that brings us to the end of this show. Thank you very much, everyone, and enjoy yourselves. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you all in the new year. This is CJ the DJ and... Suyin the DJ Bear. Signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.